Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here. This morning, we are going to be concluding our Neighbors Keeper series. Next week and the next three weeks, and then it'll be culminating on Good Friday, I'm going to do a series called Revolution, and it's going to be about the cross of Christ. And looking at how that is revolutionized, not just our lives as followers of Christ, but really the world. And it will be ending on Good Friday, and we'll give you more information on Good Friday service, which will take place at our building. But I'm looking forward to that in uh, prelude leading up to Easter. And so I can't believe Easter is coming uh, April 1st, so it's around the corner. But what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to conclude in Ruth chapter 4. We began with the book of Ruth, kind of giving an overview, talking about how Ruth did something that was very uncommon, very extraordinary in her devotion to Naomi, that she committed herself to Naomi even though she didn't have to. She decided to stay with her and, and There is a word that is used that is called hesed, and and it is a love. It is a devotion. It would almost be stubborn. It, It would probably be best translated steadfast, right? This is a steadfast love that Ruth had towards Naomi. And instead of going back to her people, because Ruth was a Moabite, she went with Naomi back to her people. And we know that famous verse, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. And it is something that she committed herself to. In the course of this story, we see that Ruth happens upon a field where a gentleman named Boaz is. And it turns out that Boaz is actually related to Naomi. And that Boaz has the opportunity to redeem Naomi, because Naomi lost her husband and her two sons, Elimelech, and I forget the kids' names. We'll get to them later. But what happens is because she is a widow, she now has lost her name. She has lost any inheritance. She says, call me Mara, for I'm living a bitter life. And this has the ability to turn everything around. If if Boaz will redeem us, he could actually... Bring us back and give us a name again. Give us uh, actually our land again and things can turn around. And so Naomi talks to Ruth and says, go and, you know, get close to this guy. She does. And Boaz notices her. He notices her because she is very faithful. Has said this steadfast love. 
towards Naomi. It's interesting because Ruth is her appearance is never mentioned in the book, but she sure comes across as beautiful. Even though that's not mentioned, her character really starts to describe the beauty. And so Boaz sees and is fond of her and is wanting to then redeem and take this property back so that it can be not only for Ruth but for Naomi. But there is a a hitch, there's a hiccup here because there is someone else in line in the family closer to Naomi than him who has to have first the opportunity to redeem this land. And that's kind of where we're starting off here. But before we start, we are going to talk about this morning about 3D glasses, tortoises, airline tickets, and marriage counseling. And the first thing I want to do is make sure that we are seeing this story through the right lens. You ever go to a 3D movie and you have the glasses and then you're like watching previews and you're wondering, are these in 3D too? So you take them off and it's like, oh no, these are normal. And you put them back on and oh, is this 3D? And you take it and you know that it's 3D when you take the glasses off and everything's blurry, right? Nothing makes sense because what they do is they, they give your eyes each a different prism to see things through, right? One's kind of reddish, one's kind of bluish. At least that's how it looks. And what happens is your brain starts to try and adjust these to look normal and it gives the effect by the colors that they're presenting to give a 3D dimension. If we do not look at the book of Ruth through this lens of hesed, this lens of steadfast love, we will miss the point of the story. This is not a love story just about boy meets girl or or girl falls for guy. This is much deeper than that. This has to do with commitment. This has to do with giving yourself over, not just to someone, but to their entire life. And so we want to make sure as we move forward, we go through it with this understanding. And hopefully that becomes an example to us of how we can do more than just what's maybe accepted, that we can live in a way that connects us more than what is minimal or what's just our requirement. Because the whole idea of neighbor's keeper is taking a responsibility that is extraordinary for those who are around us. So turn with me to Ruth Ruth chapter 4, starting at verse 1. This takes up probably the same day that Boaz says, there's someone else who has the opportunity to redeem this land and take my place. I need to go to them first, but he goes immediately. And so verse 1, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian Redeemer, he had mentioned, came along. That's the other person who has the opportunity to take the land. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. Going to the gate is where business was done. 
This is where they're going to negotiate these kinds of things, right? And the 10 elders makes this transaction legally binding. And it's kind of unusual because if Boaz wants to redeem this land, why would he even bring it to the attention of this other guy? And then he comes up to him and goes, hey, I just want to let you know that this land is available if you want to redeem it. I want you to do it here in the presence of the elders so that it will be binding so we can make this negotiation valid. And what we're seeing here is that Boaz is stepping in and doing more than what he has to. He's taking on the task for Ruth, and Ruth is doing it for Naomi. We used to have a tortoise. We actually had two. We, we're not good with tortoises. Um, they, they are fast. They escape. They're, they, they move. One we called Turbo, and the other was called Chaos. And I built this, not an aquarium, that's for fish, terrarium, right? And I built this, and I thought, this is great. It was pretty good size. It was like, you know, five feet long, a couple feet wide, and we had like some dirt in there, and and we had a place for it to hide. And I thought, this is great for our tortoise. He should be happy living a a well-lived life. We'll give him lettuce and all kinds of fruit, and he'll just be content there in his terrarium. But no, tortoises are never content. Tortoises are... They are diligent to try and escape. And we had to move the terrarium to be outside because inside all you would hear is dunk, dunk, dunk. Just him knocking up against the glass endlessly. I mean endlessly. I mean hours upon hours. You think, stupid turtle, you're not going to get out. And so we took him outside and we made this little kind of, uh, they had that like, chicken fence. It's not the wire one. It's the ones made out of mesh, you know, kind of a plastic. We put him in one of those. He started climbing out of it and he couldn't, but he would try over and over. We'd go out and he'd be on his back. It's like, no, we got to turn him back over. And then sure enough, next time he's halfway up on the fence, you know, and it's like, okay. So he goes back in the terrarium and again, donk, donk, donk. He just would not give up the steadfast attitude that I never knew tortoises have. And that's really what we see taking place. In chapter 3 of Ruth, she asks Boaz to marry her. But she doesn't ask for herself. She asks so that Naomi can be taken care of. She asks so that Naomi will regain all the things that she has lost that he would become her guardian or kinsman redeemer to be the one who will not only care for me, but to care for Naomi. And we see that Ruth has this tenacious love and care for Naomi that she is willing to marry this person. And it says that she could have chosen some of the other men and some of the younger men, so we get an idea that Boaz was a little bit up there in age, but she does this not for her sake, but for Naomi's. That was her decision. I'm bent on doing this. In fact, my life is committed to this cause. 
I wonder what our lives are committed to. I wonder what is behind the decisions that we make. What motivates us and how tenacious are we at seeing these things through? Right? If you're going to school to become whatever it is, a teacher, doctor, nurse, you, you have to be diligent to get through that process, to become what it is you want to become, to, to take that job, to take that vocation. If you are courting someone, courting, do we still use that word, courting? Well, it sounds like tennis, we're courting. If you are dating someone, there's a word, you become diligent towards that person because you want more of that relationship. What are we committed to? What is the motive behind the decisions we make? You see, Ruth can't go to this gate by herself. She would have no ability to gather these elders, but Boaz was a person of status. So he was able to do that for her. Someone has to go for her. Just like Naomi did not go to Boaz Herself, Ruth went for her. Now Boaz is going for Ruth. And we see that there is a commitment to this endeavor that is steadfast, that pushes them past the, well, it's going to take a lot of my time. This is going to be a little bit costly to me. This is going to require my time and energy. And it's worth it if you care. So what do we care about? What's worth it to us? Well, family, maybe it's my job. Because you will devote yourself to whatever is important to you. What's important to you? Without Boaz, Naomi's family would cease to exist. Remember, her husband, two sons died. She would be no more. And what Boaz does is he leverages his power, his privilege, his position to help them. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds very Christian. It sounds like the Christian story where Jesus leveraged his person for the benefit of us. Again, this is said love. It is the love of Christ to do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves, And we see it being played out. In verse 4 again, it says, I thought I should bring this matter to your attention, Boaz speaking to the other kinsmen, and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. It's like, oh no, he said he's going to take it. Now, at this point, the other man sees that Naomi has 
this land. Naomi is an older woman. If he redeems it, it means he takes her in. What is that going to cost him? Well, Naomi's an older lady, so she probably doesn't eat a lot. She probably doesn't require a lot of attention. And then after she's going to, you know, pass away, and then that land will be hers. So it's not going to cost him a lot, just a little bit of time in caring for Naomi, an elderly woman. Now, I know that is a lot, but to him, it's like, I'll do that. I'll redeem it. In other words, I will buy that land. I will take on the responsibility of Naomi. It sounds like a deal to me. So it goes on, verse 5. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in early times of Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. That's the way they did it. Here's, I'd go to the transaction with my worst pair of shoes and say, here you go, what am I getting in return, right? So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. So they exchanged shoes, and he says, okay, you can do this now. I'm not going to. What changed his mind? Why did this become no longer appealing to him? Well, it was no longer just Naomi. Now there is a, a younger woman named Ruth involved who is also a Moabite. It keeps being mentioned. So she's a foreigner. And what that means is if Ruth has children, then her children get the property and this guy gets nothing. He buys the land. He takes the responsibility to Ruth. If she has children, her children get this property, not him and his family. And so all of a sudden, the price goes up. You ever look for like airplane tickets online and you're trying to find the best deal? And I swear this happens. I don't know. I'm looking for a ticket and I'm looking, okay, go here. I'm going to say La Paz. And I'm, okay, here's the date. Okay, that's the time. And then you, you know, check some things out on your calendar and then you log in again and you check the same date and all of a sudden the price is more. What is with that? There's something illegal going on, right? Because then if you go on a different web browser that doesn't have the memory or the cookies or whatever those things are, anyway, then the price is lower again. It's like they're changing the price because they know you need it. And all of a sudden, this price became too much for him. It's like, ah, if it's going to cost me this and I don't really get it for myself or my family, I don't want it. Because now it was costing too much. Taking care of Naomi, the widow, was going to cost him little. She's old. Ruth, it's going to cost a lot more, probably eats more. She might have kids. And there's a whole other situation, right? They they don't stop eating. So now I'm in this for a lot more. And for him, it wasn't worth it. The cost of the property just went up. See, said love, the steadfast love, moves us from claiming our rights to taking responsibility. See, this guardian 
wanted the right to have the property until he saw the responsibility of what it needed to take that place, and he didn't want the responsibility. You can take the land, it's your right, but will you take the responsibility? And he said, no. And I think that's such an important conversation for us now. You see, we are all about our rights. We are all about wanting this right. But are we willing to take the responsibility? Last week I talked about the difference between revenge and justice. How revenge wants to deal with the person, but justice wants to deal with the problem. And dealing with the problem takes a lot longer and costs a lot more. So we would rather settle for revenge because it's easier. You see, I I want my rights, but I don't want to deal with this responsibility. We talk about the blessings that are ours, right? Because of what Jesus has done, because of how he has saved me. But what about our responsibilities? What does that look like? Or, Or do we just want the rights that we have but we forget with those rights come responsibility. Too much is given, much is required, Jesus would say. In fact, there's a parable on that. Well, we want the much and blessing, but we're not so keen on the much responsibility. And, and maybe that's where things need to go. We need to move from a place that demands our rights to a place that picks up our responsibilities. We are our neighbor's keeper. We are to step into the more. A lot of times when you're talking to couples who are struggling in relationships, you see things like this take up, take place, where one of them will talk about, well, he never does this, or he always leaves his clothes on the ground. I'm not making dinner until he cleans up his clothes. Right? Those kinds of things. It's like, well, I'm not picking up my clothes, or I'm not fixing the sink until she makes dinner. And you got this stalemate going on, right? The clothes are there, the dinner's not made, and everyone's arguing with each other because I have a right for this. I go to work here. I need her to do this. He needs to do this because I do this. And everyone's talking about their rights, and no one's talking about responsibility. What are you responsible for for the other person? Oh, I just want my rights. I just want to be able to do this. You see, it's the steadfast love, the said love of God that looks past the rights and goes Straight for the responsibility. If you're going to be a good husband, good father, good follower of Christ, you're going to move past your rights to the responsibility because that's what this kind of steadfast love does. It takes on the responsibility and says, this belongs to me, I will carry it. I will go without the sleep. I will do the extra jobs. I will go to the gate. I will reason and try and get this to take place. I will take the responsibility not just for Ruth, but also for Naomi. And now Ruth's children will be a part of this, and Naomi will have an inheritance. That's a long vision to look forward to, and that's what Boaz is doing. And and I mean, Boaz played this like a fiddle, right? 
I mean, he did this. Hey, you want this? Yeah. Oh, by the way, drops the bomb. There is this Moabite woman. You got to take her too. And the guy there in front of all the elders says, I can't do that. Boom. Now it's legal. It's binding. Okay. I get to do it. So he played his cards well. He held them close to his chest. Hey, you want this? Yeah, it sounds like a good deal. Okay. Now it comes with this. Oh, okay. You get it. So he's very wise in how he did these things. See, there's no risk for us in saying that we're a believer. The risk comes when we actually do believe. See, there's no risk in following Jesus until you actually follow Jesus. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, that costs you nothing. But to follow Jesus actually costs you everything. If you're going to go where he goes, do what he does, behave like he behaves, now it takes you out of yourself and you start thinking of others as more important than yourself. You actually become your neighbor's keeper. You actually take the role of the Samaritan who stepped into the life of the one who was hurt and injured. Are we just claiming our rights or are we taking our responsibilities? In verse 9, it says, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also required Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his household. Today, you are witnesses. You see, Boaz, by his action, restores all that Naomi had lost and brings Ruth now into this covenant family. She was an alien, but now she is part of this community. He took her who was outside and brought her in. And again, this was the purpose of Christ, right? To make us in to one family. Ephesians 2.15, it says, by setting aside in his flesh. That's the said love, that steadfast love. The law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. This was his purpose. This is how he was postured. I have come to bring in those who were alienated. It has always been the story of God. To help those who were widowed, those who were orphaned, those who were aliens, those who were outside. We keep hearing that the Christ's purpose was to forgive our sins, but that's just the beginning. Forgiveness was to lead to oneness. Oh, we like the forgiveness part. I'm forgiven. I'm good. But it's supposed to be so that you can be one. Paul talked more in his epistles about unity than he talked about anything else. More than he talked about atonement, salvation, justification, he talked about unity. That was why Jesus died for our sins, so that he could bring us into oneness. This story is all about others. The scripture is all about others becoming family. And until this happens, we don't really look like the church. We don't really show this 
type of love, this steadfast love, until we extend ourselves. The story of Ruth is a well-written story that moves us from alienation to inclusion. Ruth was a Moabite, an other, but has said a steadfast love bound her to Naomi and made her family. Naomi had no family, but Boaz and his steadfast love to Ruth and to her brought him back into family. Boaz was a man of position and used his position to bring Ruth in. But Ruth was a person without position, without anything, and she still made this happen. So you don't have to have things to show this has said love. You don't have to have wealth. You don't have to have position. You don't have to have standing. You just have to have the steadfast, tenacious love that sees through. Whatever obstacles are in your way. And that's what Ruth has. And that's why it stands out. Because here is a stranger, an alien, who makes all this happen because she is committed to a person. Ruth is telling us that it's not the money, it's not the power, it's not the privilege, it's not the position that made Boaz move. It was the steadfast love that he leveraged to bring about this story. And it was the steadfast love that she leveraged to make it all happen. Why did Boaz say yes? Because he knew who Ruth was. He knew she was faithful. He knew that she was committed. He knew that she cared. And that pleased him. Her character was seen, and he was attracted to that. That's all we know. She might have been beautiful, but that's not in the story. But what is in the story is beautiful. And that's what we are drawn to. That's what we see. See, we have received this steadfast love. Are we willing to now... Give it to others. When Ruth saw hardship, she didn't turn away. When Boaz saw the cost went up, he didn't turn away. In fact, what they did was they stepped in because that's what Hesed loves does. It doesn't turn away when there's the problem. It steps into the problem. And to be our neighbor's keeper means we don't turn away and say, oh, that's terrible for them. We actually turn to them and step into the problem. And you know what? That's going to cost a whole lot more. That's going to cost you your time. That's going to be inconvenient. You know, I usually have tea at 5 o'clock. I never have tea. But anyway... I usually relax at this time. This is usually my time. I usually have this time off. This kind of love steps past your time and into the inconvenience because it makes the difference. And if we want to be like Christ, if we want to bear his image, if we want to be followers and not just people who say we believe but actually be believers, then it is going to cost our time and our energy into the lives of those who are in need who happen to be around us. It could be family, it could be coworkers, it could be friends, it could be someone who you don't know but all of a sudden is on your heart and you have the means, the power, the ability to leverage yourself to help that need out. Then it's on you. 
it's on me to show this kind of love that makes a difference. And the whole point of being your neighbor's keeper is being the person who doesn't see themselves as autonomous. I'm not just by myself, my own belief in my own world. I'm connected to everybody else because that's why Christ came. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity and that is my family. How do I step in instead of stepping away? And that's our challenge. That's what's before us. That's what we as a community are trying to do and learning how to do. And that's what we want to do together. Be mindful of those who are around you and how you're interacting. When you hear the needs of someone, what do you do? I love that there are a few people I know who have mentioned that they have different needs financially, physically, in different areas. And people have stepped in and helped. People have bought groceries. People have paid rent. People have taken them to the doctor just because they heard the need and they didn't see themselves as separated from it. But this has said steadfast love helped them to step into it. Are we willing to do that? Because that's what's required of us as followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us a very powerful example in your life of what it means to give of yourself. No one could give more than what you have given. And the reason we love is because you first loved us and gave yourself for us. It it is our example. It is our motivation. It, It is what steadfast love looks like. And now it is our turn to believe and to live this example to others. And I pray for us as a community, we who say we believe in you, Jesus, we have before us opportunities to bring about this unity, to step into the lives of those who are alienated, who are hurting, and who are in need, to to count the cost, what it's going to require of us, and understand what it does in us, how it changes us, how it moves us from being people who hear and say we believe to people who hear and follow. So I pray you'd give us the courage. I pray you'd give us the strength. I pray you'd give us the energy. I pray that we would not grow weary in doing good for in the end there is a crown of life that will be given to us. But Lord, that life 
happens now. That life takes place as we live for you, as we love like you love. God, may we follow close in your steps. May the steadfast love that you show be our example and be seen in us. We ask in Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.